Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. I'm going to take a hit to my ego by going in detail of the mistakes that I've made, so hopefully you can avoid them. Men learn from their mistakes, but wise men learn from the mistakes of others. This is going to be a long-ass video, so sit back, relax, you can flick through the timestamps if you want, but let's begin with the most interesting section on women. This is a picture that represents my 21-year-old self. I think it's instant gratification in one photo. The first mistake I repetitively made with girls before I ever had any success with them was thinking vertically instead of horizontally. I would message a girl, she'd message me back and I would obsess over this girl. I'd get a crush on a girl in school, in college, and I would obsess over them. This one girl, focus, tunnel, laser vision on this one girl trying to go vertical in the relationship with one girl instead of diversifying my attention onto many different girls. That is far, far, far better if you're a young man. Spreading your attention out horizontally to many different girls at once is so much better because as a man, it's only a numbers game. Every girl that you interact with, you have maybe a 0.1% chance that something is gonna happen with them at all. So even if you're a young man right now and you want to get married, you don't wanna be into the casual sex scene, fair enough, you'd still be better off thinking horizontally, diversifying your efforts into different women because again, even if you choose the one woman who seems all good and you think vertically with this one woman before you even get to know her fully, the overwhelming chances are that it's almost gonna be a waste of time compared to if you, at the same time, were getting to know five different other girls. Thinking vertically is how guys get heartbroken and obsessed of girls that they've never even met. It's insane to me that guys do this, and I, I am literally a victim of this, that I used to do this as well, that you'd obsess over this one girl. This was before you'd even been on a date with them, met them in person, but you'd just be thinking about this one girl. And that's such a weird mindset to have. It's such a weird, obsessive mindset that we guys have. This is how guys settle too early. This is how guys get attached to a girl who they shouldn't be attached to. And the issue with this, the big issue that... I don't think anyone's ever discussed with you, is that women naturally think horizontally. Women think they spread out their attention horizontally onto many different guys. It's like they'll never be able to admit it for some reason because they don't consciously know what they're doing. All women diversify their attention onto like 10 different guys at once. You look through her Snapchat, her Instagram, whatever the fuck she uses, she's got like 10, 20 guys lined up right now, but she doesn't even consider them an option because she only thinks about the top guy on her list. Now, as soon as something happens to that top guy, he stops replying to her or, you know, he does something stupid. Then she's got another 20 guys because she's thinking horizontally. Women naturally have this abundance mindset and it makes them feel very confident in their options. They know for a fact that if this one guy, it doesn't happen with them, okay, fair enough, because someone who's just slightly less valuable than that top guy is right there already in her DMs. Women do this naturally and men for some reason think that it's a bad thing to do and it's really weird, it really pisses me off that women think 
that men doing this is a bad thing, but those exact women who think this are the ones who also do it. No one bats an eyelid that she has 15 guys on her Snapchat that she's texting 10 different guys right now, but one guy speaking to two girls is such a thing that he's, he's an asshole. Well, boys, be an asshole. Thinking horizontally puts you in a far better way of life. I'm telling you as someone who, who was entirely a vertical thinker, who'd get obsessed over these girls, I'd get a crush, I'd come home and I'd start cuddling my pillow and kissing it at nighttime and shit. And, <laughs> and now I'm a horizontal thinker always. And that means I am far less invested in one girl and I have this abundance mindset, which means that when I'm with a girl, I'm not so nervous i still get you know a feeling of butterflies which is really nice and i get that excitement to meet him but i'm not like all my eggs are not in one basket so that gives me a massive feeling of confidence which actually makes me more successful with the girl that potentially i would want to be vertical with so again if you're watching this and thinking oh it wouldn't apply to me because i don't want to have sex with many many girls i just want to have a relationship this would truly help you because if you want to find that amazing girl that you want to go vertical with, you're more likely to go vertical with her if you've already started in a horizontal plane. I hope that makes sense. Because this is probably the most common mistake that all men seem to make. The second mistake was getting distracted from my mission. I have dated five girls in my life, you know, for at least a couple of months. And every single time I had dated a girl, I would get complacent, I'd get lazy. I had the mentality like, oh, I've got the girl, now I don't need to work as hard. And so many guys say this to me. I literally had a call with a young man who said this exact same thing to me. He was like, no, no, I don't need to do the self-improvement, the alpha improvement anymore because I've got a girlfriend now. And I told him that mindset might make you lose her because you've got to think not only are you f***ing up your, your future and you're not working on your self-improvement just because you've got the girl, but honestly, she will f***ing leave your ass. And you might think, oh, but, but Hamza, he's a red pill. He, 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 girls won't leave just like that. They actually should. They 100% they should leave you if you are not the guy that they're attracted to. That's common sense. So imagine if you're this guy who works hard, who's exercising, who's disciplined. You get with her, you get complacent, you get lazy, you're watching Netflix, you're eating junk food. You're not the same guy. You've put on 10 pounds. You've lost that confidence. You don't hang out with the boys anymore. You are not the same guy she's attracted to. So it's not a bad thing if she leaves because essentially you've catfished her. So this is so common that guys get in a relationship. Within a few months, it ends because the guy loses frame. He loses everything that actually made him attractive. This hasn't happened to me. I happen to it. This isn't something that happened to me. Let me reframe that. Let me take responsibility. This is my own choices that I had to experience. I would get with a girl, I'd start dating him, you know, I'd be like proper happy and we're all close and she becomes like pretty much my best and only friend because I'd stop spending time with other girls. I'd start skipping gym workouts, we'd start staying up late watching Netflix. Anytime I'd date a girl, they'd become like my official binge eating partner. So what do you think happened? I am the guy who they used to see in the club. I'd have abs, I'd have the boys around me, I'd have girls around me, I'd be going to the gym, I'd be going boxing. Suddenly, this girl comes into my life, we get close and I'm not doing any of that anymore. I lose my abs because we're eating shit. I'm not hanging out with the boys because I'm always hanging out with her. I'm not getting any other girls, you know, pre-selection. So she loses attraction in me, as she should. She 100% she should lose attraction in a guy that isn't the same guy anymore. And girls lose attraction in you even though you're committing more to them. So this is the wrong idea that we have once again because of vertical thinking. We think that when we start dating a girl and we get really close to them, we want to do everything with them. That makes them lose attraction in you because committing to them wasn't what was attractive for them. They came into your life because you were committed to your purpose. You were committed to that hobby, that lifestyle that made you attractive. As soon as you commit to her, then all she has to be attracted to in your personality is herself. And she doesn't want that because she's already been with herself. She wants to be with a guy who's got other things going for him. Otherwise, it's kind of like she's dating herself. It's boring. If all you do is stuff revolving around her, she's bored. She's gonna go with the guy who's actually doing something dangerous, doing something exciting, who's setting himself challenges. So it sounds counterintuitive, but the lesson I learned from this was that spending less time with the girl and more time just doing your own thing, even if you're seriously dating a girl, is far better. The third big mistake I made was not sexualizing her, believing the good girl stereotype. This was especially in the first years of my official dating when I was about 19, 20. I wasn't outwardly being sexual towards girls I met because I had this thing of, you know, online and in person and, you know, all the shit that you hear that you're not supposed to, like, sexualize the girl, whatever the fuck people say in the modern times. It's bullshit. You believe this good girl stereotype and especially my brown boys who are watching this, you mother 
do this so much you think oh she but 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 hamza she's from she's from india she's she's not like that but hamza she's pakistani and she's got pakistani no 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 bro doesn't matter does not matter at all the overwhelming majority of girls are sexually active but they won't actually outwardly say it because they don't want to be perceived as being sexually active they still kind of see it as an insult or something we guys we for some reason we're dumbasses and we believe this and so we interact with her as if she's like a sexless human being we hold the idea that unless she's very very obviously sexually active she's got really sexual pictures for some reason we start thinking oh she's not sexually active and so the way to go about dating her is to not mention sex don't don't push for sex whatsoever don't escalate for sex and instead let's talk to her like a friend and that is one of the most ugly things that you can do with a girl because she doesn't want that like it, it's like you're not even being honest it, you're not even being true to yourself you've completely your frame has completely crumbled and you're just taking on what society's told you which is oh don't 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 sexualize her don't mention sex don't do anything don't escalate towards sex and instead just like speak to her as if she's a friend of yours that's completely and utterly so unattractive for a girl. And again, I want to make this clear that brown guys are the worst for this. We've got this idea that, oh, if she's from the village, she's not going to be sexual. She's going to be a good girl. No, she's not. Like, Western media has reached that far. They've all got smartphones. They've all got Instagram. They've probably all got OnlyFans. It doesn't matter. If you don't treat her in a sexual way, some other guy will. And he'll be getting what you deep down wanted, but you just didn't have the confidence for. And then which guy is she going to choose? The guy who's got confidence to say what he wants, who's holding frame, or the guy who's a little bitch and he's just believing what society told him. Now, this sounds like a little bit of a cuck mentality, but bear with me. You've got to keep in your mind that every girl you speak to enjoys sex and has probably had sex in the last week and she she had pleasure out of it you're probably thinking oh he he's he's weird he's he's a cuck why did he say that the thing is it's true if you can't imagine those two things you're not ready for the date in life you still believe in the good girl stereotype the moment you can imagine these things is the time when you can actually go and interact with a girl in the right way most guys don't ever think of a girl in the in the sexual way society has made you feel weird about it by saying i'll oh, stop treating girls like sex objects they're f***ing female and i'm male that is the point of our interaction together i'm not treating them like an object i'm literally treating them like the purpose of our lives that is the point and if you don't do that that is like the biggest crumble of your frame so again it sounds like a weird mentality but especially if you're meeting the girl on on instagram or tinder just imagine to yourself that she enjoys sex and then go ahead with that then go ahead with the interaction and see how your behavior towards it changes when you think okay some guys probably fucked her in the last couple of weeks so if i want to be that a similar guy if i want to be one of those guys for uh, i'm gonna need to act like it why would why would the fuck would you act like a little good boy to a girl who's getting piped you know of course we'd all like to be the one guy for her but let's be honest it's not really realistic at least be one of the guys who's piping instead of one of the guys who's just on her phone treating her like a princess and being there for her to call him at midnight after she's just been piped by a guy like me and you're the one who's speaking to her and having long conversations with her. I feel like I've just offended a lot of people. But that is a big mistake that I've previously made when I was younger. And at the moment that I stopped listening to this, this bullshit that society's put onto us and started actively thinking that every girl I interact with enjoys sex. I've been interacting with them in such a more masculine way and my success with them skyrocketed because I wasn't pussying around. I wasn't just thinking of the good girl stereotype. Break that stereotype in your mind and you'll find that your success with women, even again, if you wanna go for the relationship stuff, it, it skyrockets. And finally, probably the most painful mistake I've made with girls is not walking away. With every girl that I've dated, there was a particular moment in my mind where I knew that I'd be better off from walking away. And I, I promise you, with all five girls, I didn't do that. I am bad at rejecting. It's something that I have journaled about and I've, I've had to like think deep about because I, I'm shit at it. I don't know if, if most guys are the same. I feel like most guys would be the same because we're always acting somewhat out of scarcity. Even if you've got other girls, which sometimes I have had, it's we are inherently going to be the ones acting out of scarcity compared to the girl who's going to have 10, 100 different options in, on the first hour after leaving as a guy it's almost assumed that if you leave a girl that you're dating you're gonna have like a month two month three month periods of like dry dried periods dry period. <laughs> with all five girls there was a point when i should have left but i didn't mainly because i wanted to avoid that heartbreak feeling i wanted to avoid that breakup feeling i'm never good with that it makes me cry literally all the time and so i'd never had the confidence to embrace that and you know what let me tell you a quick story it isn't really about breakups or anything 
But it kind of is. So I had a very good friend in university and we fell out. And he is like, bro, he's a, he's a charming guy. He's like a confident masculine motherfucker. I learned a lot from him. And one time after we fell out for a couple of months, we, we, like, we went from being best friends to literally not speaking on anything. We met in a club. Like we didn't meet, but like he was in the club. I was in the club and he came up to me and it was... It was like an eye-opening moment. This guy who's so incredibly masculine, who's so incredibly confident. And we started speaking and he literally burst out crying and he was like almost shouting and... Do you know what I mean? Like he was, he was emotional about it. And I, I would have always thought him to not be someone who was going to be emotional about something like that. And the same for a breakup. This, he had the same type of personality when he'd break up with someone. And at first, you know, I was like... not. I didn't find it funny, but I found it like why is he not holding frame you know all this red pill bullshit and then i was like it took me a while and i thought you know what that is by far the best way to interact with this is to experience that emotion which should be experienced when you're ending a relationship with someone what he did that night allowed him to move on 10 100 times faster than me holding it in out of being the big masculine guy who doesn't get upset over losing friends and the same thing with the girls instead of me expressing my heartbreak instead of me going up to the girl and saying no it's not working and start crying in front of her give her one last hug and walk away i didn't have the confidence for that so instead it was just kind of like we just kind of stayed together for an extra month two months three months years when we shouldn't have so I, t I took a page out of this guy's book and i said to myself you know what there is absolutely times when it's gonna be probably the last time you ever see someone make sure that you express the emotions that should be expressed and that is very very powerful because i am someone who just doesn't personally do that so for me personally this mistake of not walking away a Probably the biggest part of it was just wanting to avoid this breakup, this, you know, crying feeling. Now I feel like I can overcome that. And the next time I'm in this situation where I know I should just walk away from the girl, I should break things off. I hope that I have the confidence to just do it there and then and not be scared of the emotions that come out from it. I'll be honest, I don't think that's most guys' mistake here. I think the lesson that you've got to learn for most guys is that most guys are probably going to be pretty bad at rejecting girls too. They're going to be bad at walking away. But that's most likely going to be due to scarcity of a lack of options that's what i've i've seen in many many guys i've tried to help is that they've got this girlfriend right now it's shit with her it is trash with her they're arguing all the time there's pretty much no reason to stay together apart from the fact that the guy has an insecurity because he knows that the moment he leaves she's gonna probably get a lot of attention but he's not and that's the issue that's that acting out of scarcity keeps them together i see this very very often I'll, I'll be honest i've yet to see like a good relationship my age because it's always just fucked up because of you know how society is and masculine and, and feminine shit is all is all messed up but the guy always seems to stay together and just take the the brutal force of the woman who doesn't even respect him or like him and she's swearing at him and she's arguing and the guy stays because Staying with a girl who hates him and he gets pity sex once a week is better than not getting anything at all. And it's obviously not, but this is what most guys seem to fall into. If you're watching this and anything I just said sounded a little bit, you know, it, it kind of hit you and you were like, wait, this motherfucker's talking about me. I want you to just sit here for a second, pause the video and just have a minute or two of critical thinking and think, what is the advice that this guy you're watching on, on YouTube would give to you right now? Because if your relationship sounds like that, like your girl's arguing, you're just arguing all the time, you're not really getting any benefit apart from like the absolute minimum of a relationship. And most of the time it seems like you're arguing, it's, it's fucking up your head, it's you're messing up your distraction from your purpose. It's not worth it. My biggest mistake is not walking away. And the reason why you watched this video was to learn from a man who has made mistakes so that you can overcome these mistakes. I want you to pause the video right now and think, is he talking to me right now? Should I be walking away? Section two, drugs. Remember that first picture I had up, the instant gratification in one photo? Well, let's zoom in onto that table. There's a plastic bong over there. One of those cheap ass bongs. You put weed into it and you smoke it and then you always get a bit of the bo dirty bong water in your mouth. When you're smoking weed like that, it's not even weed anymore. It's, it's cannabis. This is the type of drug that your parents warned you about. Another mistake with drugs is something I didn't realize for a while, even though it's so common sense, is that drugs are linked to low quality friends. In my second year of university, I was regularly taking a bunch of shit. And it's such a common situation to hear about where there's, it's just like almost crabs in a bucket. And the way that I would always put it is that you're not even friends with these people. You're literally not friends with these people. It's just that you're all friends with the substance. And the moment that the substance is gone, 
there's no more friendship. And that is exactly what would happen. Every, all of these parties, all of these late nights and shit, it would be like everyone's having a sick time whilst there was still more to take of anything that we were taking that night. And the moment that it would run out, everyone starts dispersing. It was like they only came here just to take drugs together and then they just would go home, they'd leave and no one's truly like a friend anymore. And when I look back now, no one was really truly a friend in these situations. In my opinion, a friend is someone who will help you towards your goals. They at least know your goals. I didn't know a single person's goals in there. They didn't know mine. You'd never get to that type of conversation when it's 5 a.m. and you're all passing the ket and the coke and the nos. Out of all the drugs I've taken, the biggest mistake was nos. It's like nos canister. It's, I don't know how, how much in detail I should actually go, but I get banned from YouTube when my parents disown me. <laughs> The lesson I want you to learn right now is that you need this mindset to know when you're consistently taking any kind of drug and it's still fun with no downsides, that is when you must quit or at least severely reduce its use. The moment that you start establishing that there's downsides to your drug use, that you're having problems with it, it's far too late. You, you are fucked at that point. At that point when you can literally say to yourself that it's a problem, it's going to be an iconic moment in your life that you're literally always going to have insecurities and a lack of confidence about. And it's probably going to take you years to overcome a substance that controls you. If you're taking any kind of consistent drug right now, I'm talking to you, mother if you're taking anything and it's it's all good you're saying to me no no, no I, I can quit whenever i want and no no it's only good it's only good this is when you need to stop if you've whatever drug you're thinking about right now if you've been taking it more than once a week be honest if, if you if you have taken it more than once a week this is when you have to stop because this is when it's actually kind of easy to stop all you're going to miss out on is the hedonistic instant gratification fun stuff you haven't got to the point where when it feels like a problem not only you're going to miss out on the fun stuff but now you are actually hooked on the stuff. You've got a tolerance to it. You, you've got withdrawal symptoms to it. That makes it 10 times harder. If you're watching this and it's all good right now, this is when you have to stop. This is when you have to at least severely reduce it. There's so much advice and there's so much like mentalities to do it. You'd be better off speaking to someone else or you know, researching, re spending a lot of time to research exactly what's the most efficient and effective way to quit weed or alcohol or whatever you're addicted to. The environment pretty much dictates your drug use. The mistake I made was moving and detaching away from family. In my second and third years of university, I barely spoke to them. I barely spoke to my family. At one point, I blocked them all, and I literally had the, the mindset that I didn't even have a family anymore. We had an argument. I left. I literally ran away from home like a little bitch. Blocked them all, and then I was living life as if I didn't have a family. And I still remember it to this day that that perfectly correlated with all the bad habits that you could imagine. And there was this one day where this fucking bong on that picture, I literally hit it and some of the bong water got into my mouth and I had like an epiphany when I looked at it and I was, you know, I felt disgusted because you've got like disgusting, smoky, dirty water in your mouth. So I had to like spit it out and shit. And I had this epiphany of literal crackheads, like full on fiends who are addicted to heroin or some shit with this type of bong underneath like a bridge hitting it on like a cold, rainy day. And then I was like, oh my God, I looked at it and I was like, someone has made this. Like this is a, a product that some company has fucking made. And what type of people have they made it for? And I was able to answer it and I was like, yeah, the people who don't have families. There's, there's no question about it. There's one common trait about people who fucking hit bongs of people who have got drug problems is that they've got shitty families because you don't really do drugs when you've got a nice, healthy family relationship. The moment that I got into a healthy family relationship again, drug use went straight down. But when I was far away from them, straight up. I've been in situations and nights now where in the past year or two years where I've went, you know, to like do drugs with people, to smoke weed. It's not even that bad, but smoking weed. And every time I can't even stop the analysis that goes on in my head. And I look at these people, I'm like, this is what happens when you don't have a close family unit. So far, it's been like 100% accurate. Every person I look at when I think about this, they don't have like that close family unit. No one with a great family with strong ties to good people overdoses on drugs. Now, someone will say, but, but, but there's this person who overdosed. They didn't have a good connection to the family. The family might have been good quality, whatever, but they didn't have a good connection to them. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. That's the issue. Now, some practical advice, a big lesson learned for this is, I know that it goes through the minds of a lot of young people who are either certain they're never gonna do drugs or that they might even fear that they might do it and they're, they're wondering what's happened. The practical advice is to try them just a few times in your life. That's it, like literally once a year, if even that, probably less, you you try MDMA. Once a year, you, you smoke some weed with your friends. That is when you will get all benefits, no detriments, and you'll have like a fantastic time that you remember for years. You still got to enjoy it at its highest. As soon as you do any kind of drug more than once, the effect it has on you goes down like by 50% straight away. So what is a good mindset is to pretty much try all of the relatively safe drugs just once or twice in your entire life. That way you get to experience it, you get to have the mindset, you know, I've done it, I, I, it was a fantastic night, but you know that, you know, it's got dangers if you take it consistently. You don't feel like you're missing out at all. You still get the nice memory to be mindful and grateful for. The issue with drugs is the consistent use and the environment that promotes it. Never make that mistake because it, that will be one of the biggest mistakes of your entire life. And it's really tricky because you don't even realize that you're going into that kind of mistake up until it's too late. So hopefully if someone's watching this and you've now identified that you might be in this environment that promotes drug use or that you've been taking it to consistently, know that right now is the time that any day after this, it's gonna be harder. Day one of moving on from the drug could be today or it could be in five years from now. It could be in 10 years from now. Try and make day one today. Section three, video games. The big mistake I've made, which is quite obvious, is just spending thousands of hours on video games. And it's really weird. I made a video about how video games manipulate men. I spent thousands of hours leveling up and making money on, on games, on virtual reality. And when I look back now, obviously, you know, I'm a grateful guy. I can see some benefits to it. I got to make some friends. I had a fun time. It's just weird because I could have been doing that stuff in person. How much more fun is leveling up in a game compared to leveling up in real life? Honestly, leveling up in real life is a thousand times better. How much more fun is making money in a game compared to making money in real life? Making money in real life is a thousand times better. It's just that video games are easy and they're convenient and that they essentially give you the rewards of delayed gratification with none of the discomfort that you get to train the skill you get to feel like you're working towards progress just by clicking on the the yaks and the the chickens and shit just by leveling up your skills video games are the trap of young men and it has trapped me previously the trap is kind of hard to get out because the more you're in this trap the more that you're into video games the worse your life is in general, because if you're spending three hours a day, every single day on video games, that's three hours a day that you weren't spending on, on real life. So there's gonna come a moment when it's time to embrace real life, but real life is so shit because you've been leveling up in the virtual world instead of real life. It's a big, big, horrible trap and many guys are struggling to get out of it. Video games are exactly like drugs, exactly like drugs. It is the environment that puts you into it. It's probably shit still the the kind of shitty family vibe where instead of doing things in real life in your house you're just there just staring at your computer just leveling up on runescape just mouth breathing just getting lord for your bank the issue is that when you're consistently playing video games all of your friends are on it you haven't been leveling up your social skills in real life and so the only friends the only social contact you have in your life is those guys on discord and skype and so when you're leaving oh it is exactly like drugs because then when you stop playing those games, you, you aren't anywhere near as close to those friends. When the substance is gone, you're not friends anymore because you were all friends with the substance. It is exactly like drugs. Does that make sense to anyone else? I just had a huge realization. Drugs are linked to low quality friends and they're not exactly your friends because you're only together for the substance and the moment that the substance is gone, you're not friends, everyone leaves. That's exactly what it's like in, with video games because what happens to most of the friends that you speak to when you stop playing that game, you're not gonna speak to them anymore because they're playing the game. Why would you go on Discord to hear them playing the game? You might send a few messages, but after a while it dies down completely because you were never truly friends with these people. 
you were friends with the game and you just did the substance, you just did the drug together and it made it a little bit more fun. But the moment that the substance isn't shared between you, the friendship, it doesn't exist. Video games are a drug. Section four, jobs. Big mistakes are made here. The first one that comes to mind is the fact that I used to put the employer's business or the employer's feelings, you know, the boss's feelings over my own health. I used to have long ass shifts, almost 12 hours shifts in a row. And it'd be exam season in uni, you know, I, I should be focusing. I shouldn't be even go into any kind of job. I should just be focusing. But it was like that fear of rejecting that we mentioned in the, the first start with women, that, that feeling of, not wanting to disappoint someone, not wanting to experience the the clash of something. Like I should have quit my job during exam season in university, but I didn't because I felt like I'd be letting my boss down. And this is, it's almost like an ego problem. It's only when you leave the job, when you realize how unimportant you were. Now, this is probably different for someone who's, you know, high up in some career but if you're a young guy and you're working shitty jobs through university through college just know that you're not even special you're not even important even if you've been there for a while even if they say oh you know thank you for your work the moment you leave they'll replace you and they'll be absolutely fine and that's a good thing because that's exactly what the the role entails but we we have this feeling of importance thinking that oh if i don't go for the shift if i do this or that they won't they won't manage they won't like he'll be upset another mistake was working night shift this was my favorite job. I was working night shift in a homeless accommodation. It was very, very fulfilling. I was able to take my laptop. I was able to do drop shipping and even a little bit of YouTube and learning to code. It was probably my favorite job I've ever had, but working night shift is, is horrible for you. The timetable I had, I didn't have a timetable, but imagine like the way out my week would be structured was that before the night shift, I technically, I felt like I needed a day off, like a day to chill because I'd be going to night shift and you know, I'd be fucking up my brain and my health and stuff. But then after that, I'd come back and need to sleep for most of the day. And when you wake up at like 5 p.m., you're not gonna go and do productive work at that point. You're literally just gonna go and chill, smoke weed, and then go to sleep. And you know, your sleeping pattern's all fucked. The mistake I want you guys to learn is that night shift will probably always be paid more than any job you look at. So if, if there's like a day shift and a night shift, night shift will always be paid like 10 or 20% more. Don't take it. That's a trap. That's such a fucked up way to induce unhealthiness into someone that you're getting an extra one pound, two pound, three pounds per hour. What it does to your health, man, three pounds per hour is fucking nothing when it's reducing your testosterone. It's, it's fucking up your brain. It's fucking up all parts of your health. People who've got bad sleep are worse at 100% of the things in life. Sleep is literally like a meta skill, kind of like mindfulness, where it affects 100% of your life. It's not worth the extra pay rise. It's not even for me, in my mistake, was that my, my pay was okay. It was nine pounds an hour, but it was mostly because it was such a low workload. Like for the eight hour shift through the night, I would genuinely have to do work for about 30 minutes. The, the role was like desk assistant or something, but you literally just had to sit there. And if the homeless guys were coming in and out of the building, they just press the buzzer. You just pick up the phone and press the button and they'd be allowed in. So obviously that takes literally like two seconds to do and just do a little bit of cleaning just before the, the end of the shift. So I worked about half an hour, got paid for the entire nine pounds an hour for all of it. I mean, just scrolling on Reddit, on YouTube, just watching Netflix, getting paid for it. So it's fantastic, but that's not worth it, man. It's not worth it at all for what it does to your, your muscle mass, your everything of your life just gets worse when you're working night shift. Now I'm gonna mention something which isn't a mistake that I did, it's actually something probably one of the best things I've ever done in my life and hopefully it's something you can learn from. It was to replace my full-time job with a part-time job to increase the amount of time that I could spend on my business. This is why I am here today. I was working a full-time job after I graduated. It was a shitty job, it was customer service and I was working 40 hours a week. I did the math and I calculated that if I reduced my hours from 40 to 24, I wouldn't even lose that much because I'd be then underneath the threshold where you pay tax and all this stuff. I was going into work five days a week, but if I took off an extra two whole days, I would lose like 60 pounds. So as I was going into work and it would be, you know, Thursday and Friday, I'd be thinking Thursday and Friday, I'm literally making 30 pounds today. Not just, you know, eight hours in work, but literally having to wake up early, go to work, come back and just be fatigued. The entire day is dedicated to making 30 pounds. And even if we forget about this math and just say in general, the entire day is working to get like 60 pounds. Completely forget about income tax, just you know the base rate that you should be getting. 64 pounds is what I should be getting in the entire day, which is, that's terrible, bro. That's, that's honestly shocking for an entire day. It's the value that I gave, it's what I deserved at the time. But in my head, I was like, why the fuck would I want instant money right now 
when instead I could reduce how much income I get and set myself up for the future. That's what I did. And now my, my current self thanks my younger self for that. So what I did was I replaced this full-time job for a part-time job, the homeless accommodation one. And so I was only working like two, maybe three days a week, three night shifts a week, which meant that I had a lot more time to start doing some business work. So it was the homeless job, which I really started looking into online income. I started trying so many different things. And honestly, that is why I'm here today. So the advice, the lesson learned I wanna to give to anyone watching this is if you're working a shitty full-time job, customer service, basic entry, do the math, do the math to calculate exactly how much you get in after tax, after everything, and then do the math to how much you would get if you only worked three days a week in a part-time job. Chances are it's not gonna be that much of a difference. The threshold to pay tax is usually above what you'd make in a part-time job, which means that when you work part-time two or three days a week, you pretty much keep all of the money that you make. So for me, it was literally the difference of like 30 pounds, 60 pounds for the entire week of switching. And that allowed me to actually make some good progress in these online projects. The final mistake in terms of jobs was living in the city just to go to work in the city. Huge mistake that I see so many young people doing. I might make a full video of this, but this is probably one of the biggest mistakes you'll make when you're just young and 20. Move into the city because that's where the jobs are, getting a nice city apartment and literally spending all your money just to live in the city. But you're not even living in the city because you're just in work five days a week. Such a shitty life to put yourself through and I see so many people do it because of this hedonistic, materialistic lifestyle where they get to post pictures of their apartment like I used to do. You're spending all your money to live there. Best case scenario by far is to become grateful for your parents, to patch up the relationship for the reason that you feel like you can't be with them. Then someone will say, but okay, but, but, but I want freedom. When someone says that, it literally, I almost lose respect for him because I'm like, okay, don't speak to me like a little bitch. Tell me the truth. It's not freedom. It's just that you want to fuck girls from Tinder. That's most of the reason why you don't want to live with your parents right now. If you're a young guy, let's be honest, most of the reason is because about dating. And I'm telling you right now that you can have the relationship with your parents where that can become absolutely fine. And you might say our oh, logistics and whatever, but you can do it. And the amount of time that you save, the amount of brain power that you save means that when you live at home with your parents in your, in your young 20s, you've got like virtually no expenses. I spend £100 a month on myself on like just random stuff that I need to buy. And I give £100 to my mom that she goes and like buys food. My monthly expenses are £200 compared to probably close to a thousand when I was living in the city. And everyone will say, oh, but you can spend less if you live in the city, you can be frugal. I don't believe so. If you're working a job which you're not really happy with, which most people aren't, and you're living in the city, what's gonna happen is that you're automatically gonna spend more money due to lifestyle inflation. You're gonna come home, and even though you've been doing the cheap food shop at Aldi, you're just gonna go and buy the, the food delivery on Deliveroo. There's 30 pounds, but it made you happy because you just came home from work. And then you're gonna buy the weed and then you're gonna go out to the Odeon or the restaurant or some shit. You're gonna be spending a lot more money. Realistically, living in the city in the UK, realistically is about a thousand pounds a month. Of course you can save it and live very frugally and shit, but if saving is the key to wealth, shut up, bro. If you're living in the city right now because you're working in the city, it's probably not worth it. It's it's really definitely it's definitely not worth it if you're a young person if you're younger 20s and you can actually live at home because you can make money on the internet it's honestly not that difficult and imagine if you had no expenses you came home and you literally didn't even need a job because you just had almost no expenses that means that you can literally have the runway to go and do your business to actually start the business that's exactly what i did moved back home even though you know i was in the city for years and i had the job there i moved back home and i didn't even need money here so i had the runway to go and do youtube and actually you know grow it and start this business and now i'm at the point where i'm making more money than i'd ever made before but i just had to i had to just endure that initial gap and I'm very glad that I did. So I hope that anyone watching this might use this as a motivation to do the same thing. Part five, mobility and flexibility. Now this is something I have neglected for my, pretty much my entire life. And I know that you dumbasses have too. We're so focused on just building the aesthetics and just going to the gym and building the muscle that we've completely forgot that our body should be agile and flexible and capable of everything that it requires. You should be stretching every single day. Now, I'll be honest, I do miss it quite often, but just set the intention to stretch, you know, the same way that we do habits where you, you add it to the routine, you stack it onto something that you're already doing. Try and hit some kind of stretch routine every day. And my advice right now is to not waste 
waste time with the conventional stretches, you know, the stretch routine. When you do the stretch, you'll find the ones that truly stretch, that truly seem to like pull the tight muscle. They're the ones you should be doing. When you look at a stretch routine on YouTube, which is good, good advice, go to YouTube, find a stretch routine, try different ones for the week and just memorize which ones really seem to pull that muscle for you. You'll find that 80% of the ones that you try, you won't even feel in where you wanted them to feel. That's the mistake that I made was that for about a month or so, I was just following random routines, yoga and all this shit. And none of it really did anything because I was just following the complete routine that someone had gave. Now what I do is I know because of that experience, because I've tried so many different ones, I know which ones truly seem to hit the spot that I want them to hit. So make sure you do that. This should be a daily habit because the confident body language that comes from stretching, from flexibility, it's fantastic to have. And what I've learned, which I want you to have, the mindset is that you've got to start doing this before you actually experience the problems of bad flexibility, of bad mobility. Most people won't do any of this up until they have back pain or stiffness, and then they'll be like, okay, let's look at some stretches. No, no, no. The whole point is that you never want to experience back pain or bad flexibility in your entire life. So start now when you don't have the problems of this. Now, my mistake I made with flexibility and mobility in terms of my weightlifting training was that I would do exercises like the squat just because it, you know, it was the conventional exercise to do, but it was never good for me. You've got to really do it intuitively when you, you know, hear advice online. You've got to go and try it and see how it feels for you, see if it works for you. And so for a while, and every every now and then I'd go and try and squat and it would always just hurt my knees. And I never wanted to be that guy who said, oh, I don't squat because I've got knee problems. Because I've, you know, the internet culture makes those guys seem like little bitches. So I used to just suck it up, just do it anyway. And it made my knees worse. I've got flat feet, which means that my ankle mobility is absolutely trash. And so this right there is an area of focus for me. I want you to think, take a second right now. What is actually your mobility problem, your flexibility problem? Because it's gonna be different to me. And I want you to just identify exactly where it is that you've got the weak spot. And if you don't know, that's something to find out. Now I'm gonna have a full length video of my body transformation. I'm gonna literally explain every mistake made, lesson learned, everything that I've done in terms of building this body. So I'm not gonna mention the resistance training or building muscle mistakes in this video. Section six, not caring about health. A huge mistake that I've made. I am truly lucky and grateful that I have not experienced the detriments to the shitty mindset that I've had about health where I never thought about health in my life and I know that most young damasses watching this are in the exact same position. I've been drinking and eating shitty food for many many years. I had a binge eating problem. I'd eat low quality sugar because you know the if it fits your macros bullshit and I've already covered that in a previous video but the mistake here was just never really thinking about health because when you're a young guy you don't even know what health is unless you've had a very close relative who's relatively young have some kind of health problem you won't really have such motivation to even think about it because right now the thing that you do think about is the aesthetics it's not the physical health the issue with this is that this is truly delayed gratification if you do the right things you won't ever truly know that you've done the right things. You'll only know if you haven't done them in 20 years time that you, you get heart disease or a stroke or something. This is probably one of the biggest challenges that you could then have, that prioritizing your health now so that the future version of you in 20, 25, 30, 35 years time isn't going through the same health problems as everyone else around you. So the mistake I made was listening to this advice online especially the fitness industry these fuckers told me you can eat as much sugar as you want it doesn't matter if it's your macros am i eating the pizza or the salad fuck you v-shred they're all gonna be dying earlier than they need to and i, and I was gonna be one of them because i followed their advice because i thought they'd be trustworthy and then when i actually began to do my own research my own education i learned that all the foods i was eating were horrible for me i never put two and two together to realize that you know mcdonald's and sugar and junk food is actually bad for you because of the amount of shredded people who was eating it because you know their thing is okay let's just reduce our calories and we'll lose weight yeah of course you will but now you're sick you're literally sick. You've lost body fat, but now you've got visceral fat. The full video, you should really watch it if you don't really know what I'm talking about. Right now, click on it. The lesson I learned, and I really want you to take this, is that the moment I started getting my own education on these things, on health, was the moment that it all improved for me. This is so, so important. I tell it to everyone. You will not make significant progress in your physical health or your mental health unless you specifically take the time, half an hour, one hour per day, to literally go on your computer and research it. 
Go and research about diet. Go and research about why sugar is bad for you. Go and research about mental health and how to improve it. Go and research about your physical health, about mobility, everything. You need to spend some time educating yourself because no one else is going to do it for you. And therefore, a mistake I had was I kind of knew I had a bad mental space. I knew that I had mental health problems. I knew that I had anxiety for a long time. But I never knew that it was something that you could literally just Google how to get rid of anxiety and just, you know, actively spend some time to follow the steps. And quite frankly, when you do that, it's actually easy. I'm, I'm going to be completely honest. I'm going to be like heartless to the people who've got mental health problems. Once you start researching and learning about it, it's not even hard to get rid of mental health problems. By mental health problems, I mean depression and anxiety and stress. It's not even hard to get rid of them. You literally just need to spend a few minutes to sit down and just Google and research and YouTube how to lower depression, how to lower anxiety. The first few links that you click on give you the exact roadmap to do it. And the mistake I made was not doing this because it was just a mystery to me because I never bothered even giving it the time to do some research. So one statement that I keep saying is that mental health determines your productivity. That is so, so true and it's so important. Your productivity is gonna be shocking if you've got mental health problems. And most people seem to have at least mild depression. That means that your, your productivity, your brain power is just nowhere near its peak potential. So I would try and do those businesses and you know the drop shipping and stuff I was do, trying to do a while ago. I'd be trying to do that work with poor mental health and I'd literally, I would struggle so badly. I'd literally end up doing less than two hours of work per week. I remember I still used to write it in my journal of how much I did and you know I'd be trying to track it and stuff. When your mental health is bad and you don't make it a priority like the mistakes I've made, you just don't get anything done. You have to focus on mental health first, give it a couple of weeks, truly level it up and then you'll find that your productivity and everything else skyrockets. Section seven, accountability. One of the most important parts. Every single time that I set a goal or a challenge for myself and I knew that I was about to fail it. For example, you know, I set the new diet and I started eating I would drop it from my mind straight away. I would never remain accountable for it. And this is why I'd never made significant progress in my life. You must remain accountable even to the failures. You have to say you failed. You have to come back to the journal, to the coach or you know the accountability partner and say that you failed because it's that moment of saying that you failed which fuels you to not want to experience that again. Every single diet, every goal that I set previously before I started being accountable to myself in my journal, I would just drop it from my mind because I never, you know, it's an uncomfortable experience to write down you failed. So I'd begin to fail the goal. I hadn't completely failed it, but instead of, you know, at least trying to or whatever, as soon as I'd, I'd feel like I was about to fail the goal, about to fail the diet, I'd drop it from my mind and suddenly I wasn't on a diet. I didn't have a goal anymore. And so now with clear headedness, I could go and binge eat and just do all the fucking about that I wanted. The mistake I made was never valuing accountability. And it, it's so much more valuable when you have someone else keeping you accountable who you really don't want to disappoint. And accountability is just one of the things that I offer in my self-improvement coaching. If you feel like you have a lot to learn from me and you really wanna make some progress and you're willing to invest into that progress, I can coach you on a one-to-one -one basis and I can be the one who holds you accountable. I have two packages that I offer, but the one that has the ultimate accountability is what I've called the fast track. That is for four weeks, every single day we have a call, every single day, we're gonna set you off with a plan and you have to come back to me and say whether or not you followed the plan and you know which boxes that we tick. And I make the behavior tracker for you. That I literally have a notepad of the, the behaviors I want and I'm gonna check them off when you tell me that you've done them. I don't think you could ever have a higher level of accountability than that. I think that is truly, truly life-changing value. The two guys who have signed up to it, Honestly, it has transformed their lives. They came to me with major depression, major anxiety, addictions, struggling to get off YouTube, to get off porn, not doing anything, shitty mental health, shitty mental self-talk. Within two weeks, it's like they were different people. They were finally smiling again. Here's a little screenshot one of them sent me that I've changed his life. That is the ultimate accountability. I genuinely don't think you could get better accountability than that. I only take one or two guys on this package, this fast track. If there's any spots available, you can go and find out by going to the top link in the description, self-improvement coaching. Go on there, check if it's available. And if you think that this could change your life, if you think that that's worth it, claim your spot and check out before you miss out. So you've watched the video and you've learned all of my mistakes. Do me a favor and now comment below one of your mistakes. Hopefully something that either I can learn from or something that some other guy who's reading the comments can learn from. Scroll down to the comment section right now and write a comment, just a, a sentence of the mistake that you've made. If you like this video and you wanna see more videos from a somewhat unconventional small YouTuber, 
I talk about young men's self-improvement. Scroll down, hit the subscribe button right now, turn on the post notifications, you'll get a message for my next one. As I mentioned, I do self-improvement coaching. If you'd like my one-to-one -one help, go down to the self-improvement coaching link in the description right now, click on the link and go check out the packages that I've got. I have a restricted reading section email newsletter. Every Sunday, I send out an email with some fantastic value. It takes me like two hours to write it. If you're interested in that, it is for free. You can just go to the email newsletter link in the description, click on it right now, sign up and you'll get an email from me on Sunday. If you like this video of me going in depth about my own experiences, another video has just popped up. This is my self-improvement life story. I tell you everything that's happened in the six years that I found self-improvement of how I've been working out and I've been getting some success with girls, with confidence, with friends, building that muscle, you know what it is. Click on it right now to watch it. Take care. Whew. I'm tired, fam. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.